Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, by now, almost all the talking's been done. Everybody knows what's at stake here. It's Georgia, Alabama on Saturday. And I thought having Brad Nessler on the show yesterday, I thought Brad said some very interesting things. Obviously, you bring on a, a broadcaster like that. Some of what you're trying to do is, is get the bigger picture perspective. You know, a lot of the folks who will watch this game on CBS, huge, huge television platform. This game will sit on tomorrow. A lot of those are not Georgia fans or not Alabama fans. They're just fans hoping to see a, a close football game. And we talked to Brad yesterday about how much the recent history of, of Georgia and Alabama comes into this discussion. And he said, frankly, a, a lot. We know that Georgia has been the best team in the country for the entirety of this season. That's not, not up for debate whatsoever. It's clearly been true that Georgia has been, frankly, magnitudes better than almost any team you could compare it to, including the team that it's going to play on Saturday. But we also know that there's a little extra juice for a game like this in the SEC championship because there is a lot of backstory between Georgia and Alabama. The fact that Georgia has had halftime leads the last three times that it's faced the Crimson Tide. The fact that Alabama kind of sits as the only mountain left for Kirby Smart to climb along his way to eventually winning a national championship. Beating Alabama just gives you a great chance to do all of that. And we've talked before about you know the very simple step here of of if you can score in all four quarters, if you can find some points in the first quarter, if you can you know you know keep it going there in the second half. Something that Georgia has not done. I mentioned those three halftime leads that Georgia's lost the last time it's played Alabama. The absence of fourth quarter points there is a really big deal in all of that. That's been that's been one of the issues. And by now, all of that has been said so much. But I thought it was very interesting yesterday to hear Kirby Smart in the final press conference that will take place before this game on Saturday, kind of acknowledging not just in terms of getting over the hump against Alabama, but winning all kinds of games like this, championship-level games, win and advance type games. Georgia may still advance even if it even if it loses, but their stakes are high for a game like this. And Kirby Smart clearly acknowledged that the fourth quarter does matter. That that how you finish in a game that's close, how 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 tough you are both physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of that. You know, how you perform in those final 15 minutes is certainly a big deal with all of this. Let me let you hear Kirby Smart from yesterday's press conference talking about just that. I think it's important to anybody's success. I mean, if you're going to win games and win close games and you're going to play in uh, the SEC especially, you're going to play really high competition, which forces you into close games. You want to be able to win games in the fourth quarter. Uh, you build your program based on the belief that you can be a dominant team uh, and you always want to dominate the fourth quarter. There's not a team out there that, that won't admit that the fourth quarter is the most important one in terms of going out and being a, a, a dominant physical team. A lot of that has to do with depth. A lot of that has to do with conditioning, uh, but those all play a factor, and, and we take a lot of pride in that here. I think that's really interesting from Smart because I think Smart's broadening out the topic a little bit more than maybe just what we think of it being. You know, earlier this week when we talked about, hey, you got to score in all four quarters, got to make sure you keep the foot on the gas when it comes to late game stuff. Don't just try to nurse a lead, but extend the lead, and if you do that, it gives you a chance to win the game. And the honest truth is, and I was telling our video audience this a little bit earlier, you know, we start at 945 with our first and 15 on DogNation.com, the Dog Nation app, and we just do some extra content there for the folks who watch on our own platforms. And I was saying, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Smart takes an aggressive approach tomorrow, that Smart probably has done this kind of thing in the past, maybe more so than some people realize. And one of the things I referenced was, do you remember back in 2017, the South Carolina game? That's when Georgia was ranked number one for the first time by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee in their in-season top 25. And Smart and the Bulldogs started that day against South Carolina just a few days after being ranked number one by trying an onside kick to begin the game. Georgia was a big favorite against South Carolina. You didn't really need to do this from a schematic standpoint to win the game. And, you know, Muschamp at the time, the head coach, the Gamecocks, a friend of Smart, he's certainly not trying to rub it in. Uh, and, and Muschamp there in, in that regard, trying to you know uh, pull the wool over his eyes. After the game, Smart there that day simply explained that as the number one team in the country, we just want to be aggressive. We want to try to defend that number one ranking with an aggressive mindset and aggressive posture. And that's that's exactly what Georgia did there that day. And I think there are actually more examples of that in Smart's recent past 
than maybe some people realize for a coach that's somewhat credited for being a little bit of a conservative-minded guy. He's probably been more aggressive more often than maybe some people realize in individual moments, and maybe Saturday that kind of shows up again. But as Smart also alluded to there, there is more to being good in the fourth quarter. There's more to, to use Smart's word, there's more to dominating in the fourth quarter than just being aggressive with your decisions and, and, and pressing the envelope as far as what you're doing there. He said there's also a physicality that matters there. There's also, you know, kind of a mental edge part that matters there, that when you get more tired, uh, when you get a little more maybe nervous or just when the the strain of the game finally wears on you, can you kind of reach down and, 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 and find that moment there too? And I think Smart's right about this, that the success in the fourth quarter is not just about how willing you are to be aggressive for the entirety of the game, but it's also about how long you can endure during a game. Can you be as physically tough during a game as you have been at the start of the game, or does you know colliding with a team like Alabama or for the Alabama side, colliding with a team like Georgia for 60 minutes, does that finally wear you down and make you less than yourself? Now, admittedly, I haven't mentioned this in the show too much this week, but admittedly, I've been a, a little bit concerned about this that when I look at all the things about Georgia in comparison to, you know, 2017, the team that won the SEC, there are a lot of ways in which I think this Georgia team really surpasses what the very best Kirby Smart team has done. There's no doubt this is a better defense, even though that defense was very good. This defense is just otherworldly. I think the offense is actually better right now there as well in totality. I just think this is a better team in 2021 than even the SEC championship team from 2017. And all the way around, I think this is fairly easily demonstrated to be the best team that Kirby Smart has had thus far at Georgia. We'll see if it ever gets better from this moving forward. But up till now, this is the best team that Kirby Smart has had. However, there is one area in which I have to admit, I've just been a little bit, speaking as a guy who wants Georgia to win, and we do this show from from the perspective of fans, you know, that's just kind of the conversation we have around here. You know, the one thing I've been a little bit concerned about, and the one thing in which I have kind of wondered if Georgia really does favorably compare to previous Kirby Smart teams like 17 or even like 2018 is, you know, can this team be great when it comes to running the football? I think they've been good at times, and I think that James Cook, for instance, may be one of the most important players in Saturday's games for a multitude of reasons. And I've been very, very happy with what Zamir White's provided this year, taking a step forward, even after what I thought was a good season for him in 2020. It's been good. You saw a lot of Kenny McIntosh last week. You're kind of waiting to find out when Kendall Milton might be healthy again. But but there have been certainly lots of moments of good from Georgia with its rushing attack here this season. If you want to bring the offensive line conversation to that too, you know, some moments of good for that group as well. John Stinchcomb said last night to Marlowe's in Brookhaven that he thought the uh, offensive line was actually underrated compared to how it's commonly talked about by Georgia fans here this year but if but if we're going to stipulate that it's been good how often has it been truly great isn't that the one area or maybe you're kind of left to wonder that that tandem of backs in 2017 with Chubb and Michelle kind of exceeding 2,500 yards and Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift having great numbers again there in 2018 there too that if Georgia really gets into a situation where where rushing yards are going to matter, running the football when everybody in the ballpark knows that's what's coming. And for an Alabama defense that's not been great this season, any defense is going to be made better when it's facing an offense and it kind of has an idea of what's coming. And there are moments when the game situation dictates running the football. You'd be a fool not to. Could Georgia still get and can Georgia still get those yards when it really needs to in that situation? I said last night as a part of our live broadcast from the Marlowe's and Brookhaven on our Chase of the Championship event, that I was a little bit concerned with what Georgia might be able to do in that moment. That if that if the goal is, as Kirby Smart said off the top of our show here just a brief uh, minute or two before, to dominate in the fourth quarter, my question was, well, does the Georgia running game actually allow you to dominate in the fourth quarter there on Saturday? And my colleague Connor Riley said something I thought was really interesting. And I'm going to give Connor a lot of credit for this. He posed a question back to me on this, and I find this to be pretty fascinating. He said, well, who would you say the best defense that Georgia has faced all season long is? And for me, that's an easy answer. And if you want to even include Alabama, the team that Georgia's about to play, the answer remains for me still pretty easy. The best defense that Georgia's faced this season is Clemson. And Connor was quick to remind me of what happened in the fourth quarter there that day, that there was not a ton of offense to be had. Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown. And every yard that came that day against that Clemson defense 
came at a cost and at a price, and it was just grind it out, get what you can, and thankfully Georgia got a little bit more than Clemson did, but yards were certainly at a premium. But in the fourth quarter, Georgia did show what I said that I wanted to be able to see from them in this game against Alabama. Georgia showed that. And I don't know if it's just the effect of a long season, you kind of forget that or what, but it is important to remember that. That if the goal is dominating the fourth quarter, as Kirby Smart just said, some of that is about being aggressive with your play calling. Some of that is being aggressive to try to add points, maybe extend a lead if you have one, something that Georgia's had three times against the Crimson Tide. But some of that also eventually comes down to holding on to a lead and just being the physically tougher team. And Clemson's not as good as Alabama, but the Tigers' defense is better than Alabama's. And so the kind of physical toughness that Smart just said he wants to see from his team in the fourth quarter, they did show that week one against Clemson. It wasn't always a thing of beauty. There weren't a ton of points to be had on both sides, but the offense came when it needed to at the end of the game. In fact, Smart, in a matter of only a few words, said this very well and succinctly after that game against Clemson. So last night, I needed a reminder of this. I got one there at the Marlowe's Tavern in uh, Brookhaven. Let me give you a reminder. Maybe you need one too. You know, when our offense had to convert, when our offense had to force the ball down somebody's throat, a pretty good defense, you know, they were able to do it. And uh, that makes me proud, but we certainly have a long way to go um, to be explosive and, and get where we need to go offensively. The cool thing about that is, Smart said, week one, we got a long way to go to be explosive, but guess what? A long time has transpired since then. A lot of football has taken place since then, and Georgia has become more explosive. Georgia has become better offensively. And listen, hear what I'm saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you that the recipe for Georgia to win on Saturday is three yards in a cloud of dust. I believe that Georgia probably has got to score about 30 points or so to win this game on Saturday. I believe it's going to take that kind of offensive performance, and it's going to take aggressive play calling to get there. But there's something else that goes along with that. There is going to be a moment late in this game where you've got to be tough. You've got to be physical. And if you're wondering, can Georgia do that? The answer is Georgia already has. They showed that against Clemson. They found the physical toughness. Samir White, uh, James Cook converted on one of these there as well. They found that physical toughness late in the game when they had to. The offense that did that against Clemson is way better now than it was back then. So if you're looking to dominate in this fourth quarter here on Saturday, I think Georgia's shown you over the course of this year, including week one against the Tigers, that it may have the recipe to do just that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, whether it's 945 for our first and 15, we get things going at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app, or video 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of those platforms. Back on the radio today, we had a preemption yesterday for Lady Dogs basketball, which we're obviously happy for Joni Taylor's team as they get going here again this year, but happy to be back on the radio today on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref and podcast form, Apple, Spotify, uh, all the various podcast platforms, including posting the show at theworldfamousdognation.com. Just great to have all of you with us. Also, big thanks to our friends at Kroger for being here. And don't forget, Kroger's got Santa-sized savings on everything you need to head towards this holiday season. Flower arrangements like the poinsettias, uh, also a holiday tables, Christmas cards, lights, toys, games, everything else. You can save up to 40% on select items as we get ready for the big holiday season. So to find out more about this, check out Kroger.com slash holiday. That's Kroger.com slash holiday for a lot more on that. Our buddy Jeff Sintel is going to stop by here in just a moment. We'll talk to Jeff about the showdown against Alabama on Saturday, how the recent recruiting success that UGA has enjoyed, and also on the same side for Alabama, how that factors into the discussion for Saturday's outcome. We'll do that with Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a little bit. Also, good vibes today. Bunch of golden shoes before we're done. A lot of these are funny. A lot of these are just kind of kind things that you've sent to us. A lot of this is pushing Jordan Davis over the top for that hashtag JD to NYC campaign. We're going to give as many good vibes as we can to kind of close out this week and get you ready for the SEC championship. We will do that before all is said and done. For now, though, let's go around the doghouse, and it's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And if you'll permit me to here, I just want to ask a basic question. We talked Georgia offense off the top against Alabama. Here for me is a pretty basic, simple question as it relates to the Georgia defense and the challenge of stopping Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, who is a very good player. I mean, you can believe that Georgia's going to win the game while still having respect for some individual names in the Alabama roster. And overall, I think most of us would say 
This is not the same kind of team that you've maybe seen Georgia battle against Alabama in the past, or maybe the kind of same sort of Crimson Tide team that you would have perceived Georgia as likely playing in December before the season began. But that's not to say there aren't impressive individual names and on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, the quarterback Bryce Young is an example of that. And so to set you up for the simple question I want to ask about Young, let me let you hear smart once again from yesterday, final press conference going into the SEC championship on Saturday. He was asked, how, how do you use your practice time as a way of preparing for what Bryce Young brings the table there? Maybe expecting to hear that some, you know, you know, guy off the scout team is pretending to be Bryce Young right now and playing that role, converted wide receiver. I don't even know what the, uh, you know, the, the I guess the expectation that would be for Georgia in terms of how it prepares for Bryce Young. But Smart did give an answer on what Georgia's been doing to get ready for Young and what he thinks about Young and kind of the challenge of facing a quarterback like this that might win the Heisman Trophy. He shouldn't. That should be Jordan Davis. But, but obviously Young's part of that discussion right now. So this is Kirby Smart for yesterday, and that'll lead us to a question about Young. Take a listen to this. I mean, you don't have a lot of options. <laughs> I mean, we go good on good, so we get to go against uh, Stetson quite a bit. Um, there's got some similarities. Uh, Bryce is just elite with his uh, touch, his accuracy, decision-making. Uh, he's, he's, his release is so quick. And uh, as I told our players, he's got tremendous spatial awareness. He sees the field really well. I mean, really well. So he feels things and understands where holes are in coverage. Uh, and he knows where his targets are. They've done a tremendous job. Uh, teaching him um, and understanding coverages of how to attack them. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, it's his mobility and his accuracy and his uh, quick release that make him hard to defend. I've told you all so many times before that when football can be made simple, I, I think that's great because I just think it makes uh, the game so much more fun and easy to understand. And when I can simplify things around here, I want to do that. I don't want to oversimplify things, but I want to make things simple when I, when I can. And so here is the simple question that I think all of this with uh, Bryce Young is kind of leading to here. Can he stay comfortable and can he continue to do the things that Kirby Smart just said that he does well when he gets beat on and hit on for 60 minutes? Is he capable of doing that? Does he want to get hit? Can he stand being hit? Is that the kind of thing that he can still be Bryce Young when he's taking those kinds of blows? Because Watch a lot of Alabama, Alabama games this year. He doesn't take a lot of that kind of stuff. Some of that's because lesser opponents can't get to him. Some of that's because he is himself elusive. It's hard to hit him. But my guess is Georgia probably finds a way to do that. Now, I'm not talking about dirty stuff. I'm not talking about late hits, cheap shots, things like that. I'm talking about football being what it is, a, a, a tough physical game. When this tough physical Georgia defense doles that out to Bryce Young, is he comfortable being that guy? Will he step into a throw knowing he's about to get hit but knowing that he's going to have to drive the football to get it where it needs to go. Is he willing to step into a throw, put himself in harm's way in order to do that? Is he willing to try to extend the play one extra yard to convert a first down, to get that extra yardage that the Crimson Tide needs, knowing that a big hit's going to be the cost that he uh, has to pay for doing that? Does Bryce Young want to do that? If he does, and if he leads Alabama to victory in part of that, in part because of that, then all you can do at that point is shake his hand and say, uh, Hey, good game and congratulations. But when I'm looking for the reasons why that I like Georgia in this spot to win this game is because of what I think that Georgia can do to make things just tough enough on Bryce Young. I don't mean completely shut him down. I don't mean, you know, keep Alabama off the scoreboard all the way around. That's not what I mean. I mean making plays when they need to be made. And there are going to be moments when, hey, your receiver just gets open. You try enough deep shots down the field a couple of times, that's going to happen. But it's also one of those things where when an open receiver is there, it's still the quarterback's job to get it to him. And when you're off schedule, when you're rushed just a little bit, or when you're feeling the 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 you know elite defensive player breathing down your neck, knowing he's getting ready to lay a big wallop on you, throwing the football even to an open receiver is not quite as easy under those kinds of circumstances. So that's my simple question for Bryce Young. He's obviously been a great player all year long. Does he want to get hit? Is he okay with getting hit? Can he withstand getting hit? That's one of the things I think is going to decide the outcome for the game on Saturday. It is Around the Doghouse, and it's delivered by Marco's Pizza. We're glad to have Marco's Pizza as part of the program, and I know many of you have heard from you. you got these huge watch parties tomorrow. I mean, this is one of those days where 
you just want as much good vibes as you can. You want as many Georgia folks around you as possible. And obviously, when you're talking about feeding a whole bunch of folks, Marco's Pizza is a great choice for that because it tastes good, right? It's it's authentic pizza, baked perfectly. Look at that golden brown crust, those three cheeses melted, blended together, old world, authentic toppings. This is just a great pizza experience, and I love pizza, and I'd love to have some Marco's Pizza right now, to be completely frank with you, and one of the things that I also love about Marco's Pizza is the great price as well. In fact, how about this? Now, tell me how many folks you could you could feed by doing something like this. Large one-topping pizza for $9.99. That's great savings, right? Large one-topping pizza for $9.99. You can get that by ordering on the Marco's app or online at marcos.com. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it, so make sure you try some there today. Y'all, we are so excited about the SEC Championship and so happy to have you with us. It means the world to me that you let us narrate this experience of getting ready for a big game like this, and we're obviously really much uh, looking forward to that. In addition to talking some Georgia Bama with Jeff Sintel here in a moment, we are also going to talk about some of the recruiting stuff that's out there because there is you know, kind of a lot right now. Um, you're starting to see some of these in-home visits take place. That's a little bit of a clue about how things are you know, kind of playing out. And so we'll get some of that with uh, Jeff Sintel there as well. But a lot to talk about, about how the the talent edge, one way or another, is going to decide this game there on Saturday. What Bama has done, the recruiting battles they've won, and how that aids their chances of also finding victory in the SEC championship. And for the Georgia Bulldogs on that same side. And the work that Kirby Smart has done. I still can go back and remember signing day 2016, signing day 2017, and the ways in which Smart was talking about laying that long, deep foundation of bringing in those bodies on the lines of scrimmage that could make Georgia look like Alabama. Well, those teams that Smart foreshadowed then, they exist now. And so let's talk more about that now as we go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. Big one on tap tomorrow. Let's get a big preview of it right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, Jeff, you know, I was saying this to our audience a moment ago that I can remember, you know, signing day press conference 2016, signing day press conference 2017. I can remember when Kirby Smart first took the job at Georgia and he was asked to, you know, evaluate what was going on from a talent standpoint with UGA. And he said very clearly that he thought that Georgia needed more depth. That's one of those things that I think, kind of caught some people off guard at the time because I think there was this common belief. And listen, we all love Coach Rick, and I thought that Coach Rick was a great steward of this program for a long time. But I think there was this common belief for a long time, you know, prior to 2016, that talent was the, wasn't the issue for Georgia. They were a top 10 recruiting team, and there were, you know, 10, 11, 12, four-star guys commonly signing with Georgia during any given recruiting cycle that you couldn't reasonably expect to have more talent than that. That, that that wasn't the issue to get Georgia over the hump. But when Smart first took this job, that is what Smart said Georgia needed. They needed that that depth, especially on the lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And over the course of time, that's exactly what Smart has built. And this is clearly the most talented team that Smart's ever uh, deployed here at Georgia. you followed all these recruits for many years. And on Saturday, when you think about what's interesting about Georgia and Alabama, the match of wits between the two coaches, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, but nothing takes a backseat to the the comparison between the talent here. What Georgia's amassed, players that at one point in time would have probably been playing for Alabama now at Georgia because that's where Smart is as well and the assistant coaches that Smart's put together. The SEC championship game is his recruiting story as much as it is anything, is it not? Yeah, uh, good morning, everybody. And, you know, really it's, a, it's really a matter of peers. I think Georgia, without the hardware in terms of program, facility, uh, program structure, emphasis on the certain select things that make champions. I think they're they're both sitting on the mountaintop as peers. The reason why I say that is look at the last four years in recruiting. Georgia's average annual ranking is 2.0. Alabama's average annual ranking is 2.25. There's a reason why these guys, these two teams, are so highly ranked, and this matchup has been anticipated so long for so many years. Another data point there to take a look at is Georgia still in the in the five star race. They signed twenty five stars over the last four cycles. Alabama, even with seven last year, Brandon only has sixteen five stars over the same period. Now, I, I think I like to look at is it's just so hard to compete at both of these schools. 
depth is a good example in your point right there. Uh, we mentioned on our Marlowe's show last night that I thought the Alabamafication, I'm creating a word here, has taken place within Georgia. And what I mean by that is there's, Alabama's made a history over the last eight to ten years of there's a guy that doesn't show up until his junior year, and he has one year of junior film, and he's an NFL first-rounder, or maybe two years of two years of, of SEC film, and he's an NFL first-rounder. I think you see that with a guy like Chris Smith, but most especially with guys like Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, how this is their first time to really roll out for Georgia, and all of a sudden you're getting all this early-round draft buzz for both of those guys because they are seasoned, mature, well-rounded players. You mentioned Mark Richt. I think that's a great example. Georgia always had good players, but even as John Stinscombe said last night, the good players had to play really early, and they were a little lost early in finding their way, and they never really made substantial leaps to get better. Now what Georgia does with all this depth is they watch great players play, and they learn from them, and they get in the film room and learn from them until it's their time to shine. When I hear depth, Brandon, the big alarm bell that rings in my head is practice. You get better by practicing against really other really good players, the way Georgia's culture is ingrained into these young men. And these guys get better from being scout teamers and then being second teamers and going against these other Georgia Bulldogs that are really good. And what you have here now is Georgia has arrived at a moment where they can show the world that they are indeed a peer with Alabama. So the other thing that happens here is one of the reasons why Georgia's favoring the game on Saturday, one of the reasons why folks think that Georgia's going to win the game on Saturday, many people do anyway, is because of how well Georgia's recruited. But it's also important, I think, to point out the door that Alabama has opened up for UGA here a bit. And Alabama continues to be a dominant recruiting power. That I'm not saying otherwise, but you know, guys that could be seniors on this year's team for the 2018 class, that was a year in which Alabama took a little bit of a dip. Their long streak of being the number one ranked class came to an end, but they were also like, what, seventh or so? Uh, you know, th there that year in, in 2018. Following year in 2019, yeah. no problem from a, rec a recruiting rating standpoint. But as we've pointed out on this show before, and sometimes this happens, and I don't know that you can blame Alabama for this. This is just kind of bad luck. But a lot of those big names that Alabama signed for the class of 2019, for a number of reasons, just haven't worked out. Think about like the Pierce Quicks of the world or the Isma Sopshers or the Antonio Alfano's or, you know, Talia yeah, Tungo-Vailoa yeah. at Maryland now. And, you know, on and on you can kind of go of big names that Alabama signed. And sometimes big names just don't work out. And there are moments in which a bunch of big names clustered together aren't going to work out. And so one of the reasons why I would say this Alabama team hasn't quite felt exactly like an Alabama team all season long is because the 2018 signing class, seniors now, that's a little bit below the Alabama standard. The 2019 class in terms of the actual fruit on the tree that's been produced, that's probably a little bit below the Alabama standard too. And that to me has what is has been the thing that's opened the door for Georgia probably as much as about anything. That's all. I, mean, I think that's the point you got to make. You know, Georgia suffered its transfers. I think maybe the, one of the biggest things for me is everybody thinks that was Georgia's 2018 class coming to, you know, coming to fruition. And now this was their year because four years ago, Georgia signed an industry record seven five stars. And I think they had seven players rated among the nation's top 49 players in that class. But you see names like Otis Reese and Brenton Cox and Cade Mays. Um, that are no longer here. Luke Ford's another one that are no longer here. And what it has done, Alabama has suffered those losses as well. Some of their premier five stars over the last three or four cycles, they aren't, you know, a part of the program anymore. And they also kind of got washed out a little bit by the, the grind and the strain of at an upper echelon, top echelon program. I think you made a great point there, Brandon, when everybody needs to recognize this. Alabama's best players are in their freshman and sophomore seasons. Georgia's core guys, their core difference makers are in their junior and senior or super senior season. I think the window is open. I think that was great. That was the right dressing you used to kind of sum up that narrative there. But I don't think Alabama's going anywhere. And this might be the, the most positive, the most everything falling into line year for Georgia right now, where the talent cycles are kind of clicking in opposite directions, where this is a peak year for Georgia, and at least for Alabama, this is a rebuild year for Alabama. A lot of young youngsters on the field, a lot of youngsters making mistakes, and you know Georgia keeps bringing out these guys with all this depth uh, to kind of counter with that. And I think, I think for the first time in this rivalry, Brandon, maybe Georgia's best five were as good as Alabama's best five. Uh, maybe 
but uh, by and large now the top 40 players that will be on the field that will decide this game on Saturday. I think Georgia has a clear edge in the top 40 football players on the field, and really that's what wins a game like this. Georgia has the best defense in the country, but hard not to notice the success that Will Anderson's having with the Crimson Tide, and it's made more relevant for UGA fans because Anderson hails from Georgia. Do you think that Alabama scouted Anderson as a recruit better than Georgia did? I would uh, defy any narrative that flies in the advance of that. I think Georgia, what they did is they, they were at the point where they needed to find impact guys. They needed to find their guy. And Brennan, anybody that wants to bring up that Will Anderson narrative to me, as awesome as he looked his senior, se- senior season, he didn't look like that in his sophomore and junior season. And here's what happens. I'm going to give you the names. Aziz Ojolari, Jermaine Johnson, Adam Anderson, Robert Beal, uh, you've got Nolan Smith, all these names here. Georgia in that recruiting class, they only had room for one guy, and they got the apple of their eye in Mikhail M.J. Sherman. Mikhail Sherman was the guy that was running four or five lasers in the fastest man competition at the opening in Frisco, Texas. He was the only linebacker I have ever seen doing that, and Mikhail Sherman was doing that in his junior season, his rising junior season. Mikhail Sherman had a crushing knee in kind of show you a little bit of flashes of what he did, but Georgia went heavy all in on Mikhail Sherman. That's the guy they wanted for their class. That was the apple of their eye, and it's not just the Will Henderson narrative there. There's also the B.J. Ogilardi narrative where they were so good and down the road with Mikhail Sherman that they felt good that that was the outside backer they wanted for the 2020 class. And Yeah, Will Anderson was really stinking good, and you saw his rankings rise. He was one of those senior year exploders kind of like Bradley Chubb was in the state of Georgia years ago for Hillgrove High School out in Powder Springs. And what you saw there is by the end of the, end of the year, he was the number one rated player in Georgia and a clear five-star. But, Brendan, when he began his junior year, when he began his senior year, those rankings were nowhere like that. It was just an example of Georgia needed one outside backer in that cycle, and they thought they hit a 565-home-run-foot home run with Mikhail Sherman. And that's what allowed a guy like Will Anderson, who got a late offer from Georgia as well, to find his way to Tuscaloosa. You know, there's a lot of things in life that social media may have made worse, but one thing it's made better is our ability to follow recruiting. It's just more fun because of all the stuff that pops up on Twitter and Instagram and things like that. And turning our attention fully to recruiting here for a moment, it's been fun to see the Georgia coaches now in home, really coaches from all, all, all programs all across the board, you know, showing up in home for visits. We're in that time of year, and it gives you a little bit of a clue about maybe where things are heading for this 2022 class. No surprise to see Todd Hartley, you know, cheesing with the uh, Delp family and Oscar Delp. That's a, a fun thing to see. But you also see things like Georgia coaches in home with Jamar James right now, the uh, good-looking linebacker that's obviously a name that's been on a lot of Georgia fans' minds since he decommitted from Florida. Anything to add here on the James front for a moment? Uh, yeah, it's really going to be a decision there. Despite the uh, cowboy hats and gator theatrics where they're coming after him, you're also going to see Florida make a really strong charge at Jaheen Singletary as well to try and wrestle him back into state. Uh, as of late, I think Kirby Smart even mentioned on his one of his later press conferences this week how a busy time. You see a lot of other schools in home with Georgia's commits trying to pull the flip off. But I think with Shamar James, He's told me it's always going to be it's, – it's, it's Georgia, it's Alabama. It's a matter of who gets him developed. You saw Shamar James take the picture with Glenn Schumann earlier this week as well. He has told me in no uncertain matter of terms that he trusts Glenn Schumann to develop him, to play when he's ready. Remember we talked about that before in our earlier point, Brandon, about how Georgia will now play guys when they're ready and when they get in leash, they're ready to roll. See Quay Walker, see Channing Kendall. Um, you know, Brendan, for me, this whole storyline to me just kind of warms my heart. Because think back, buddy, we have not seen coaches in home visiting with those cheesing photos like that since January of 2020. And that's how long it's been since we saw some of these coaches eating mama's food in the living room with Christmas trees in the background. And for me, that was just a welcome sight that you know, yeah, we haven't seen this in a while, but, man, it sure feels good to see everybody doing this again. No, I think that's uh, probably right. Something else that I thought was kind of interesting, Lincoln Riley, upon being hired at USC, I guess was in home with Mikael Williams as of late. And 
I don't know. My, my take on this is a little bit different. I'm always skeptical of guys going 3,000 miles anyway uh, away from home, and that was true for me with Williams a long time ago. And I guess part of me thinks if the best use of Lincoln Riley's time after just taking this job is coming all the way across the country to see Mikael Williams, then, boy, thinks that USC must be a little worse than I think it is because uh, I don't think that's happening. But what did you think of uh, Riley being in home with Mikael Williams? Yeah, I think Riley's trip to Georgia was not probably just for Mikael Williams. He's probably trying to get the parts of Florida and everywhere else as well with him trying to flip the entire Oklahoma pledge class of 2022 and 2023. Uh, I think, I think Mikael Williams is quite cozy and happy at, at Georgia now. He likes the decision he made. Uh, he likes what Georgia can do in terms of developing him. We even had a question, uh, last night at, uh, Marlowe's Tavern with somebody wanting to know what's up with Mikael Williams and, Mikel Williams kind of squashed that a little bit, and he it's funny, he sent me a text that had a lot of dog emojis in it and some laughter emojis on it, so I would interpret that in uh, teenager emoji speak to say that things are still pretty good with Georgia and Mikel Williams. Uh, it's our uh, On the Road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today, and of course, uh, we always love our friends at AAA when it comes to being on the road, Jeff and I have been on the road together a lot here over the course of the uh, last few weeks, but also uh, AAA can do a lot more even than just that legendary roadside assistance. They're also the one to turn to when it comes to auto insurance there as well. AAA.com slash auto insurance, the website to go to to find out about that. When you switch and save with AAA, you can save big bucks and all that. So uh, money matters right now, and having more money in your pocket is always a big deal. So you see the great-looking website there for AAA. That's a good one to take advantage of triplea.com slash auto insurance for that find out all the great incentives that come your way and the great savings opportunities you can get when it comes to that from our friends at AAA. so check out triplea.com slash auto insurance for that you can also give them a call 866-380-1637 that's 866-380-1637 and they'll uh, get you in touch there too and you can make a great decision to put more money in your pocket and get a great auto insurance provider from our friends at AAA. they take good care of them when you're on the road they're going to take good care of you when it comes to auto insurance there as well. Jeff, we got a fun one on TV tonight, Peachtree TV. Milton and Walton State semifinal action. It's actually the finale for us on the road to the GHSA state title with the state championship games coming up next weekend. But also from a recruiting standpoint, what an opportunity this is for a lot of Georgia fans to tune in and see a huge name for the class of 2023 among many great prospects in this game. But our first time on Peachtree TV this season to be able to showcase LT Overton, guy who also played a little offense last week for um for Milton for what it's worth. But how excited are you to see Overton on TV tonight and for maybe Georgia fans getting their first chance to see him here? Uh, what do you expect them to notice? Yeah, so LT uh, aptly named, he's kind of been fighting off some injuries. It's 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 impressive to see his progression from playing at about 60-70% in week four for a game in Philadelphia against DeAndre Swift's old high school program and how he just – he wasn't that special player, that ability to plant and redirect and go hunt some guys down. Uh, Georgia really changed up his recruiting script a lot this year with some back-to-back visits. Some of it was just the ability to get him in the, in the stadium. And then they got some luck that his mom was an all-SEC volleyball player at Kentucky. So when Kentucky was – world beaters and coming into Sanford Stadium. They came back for another trip as a family to see that. And Overton was really floored by the Georgia people, the fan base, the noon, how fun it would be to the noon kickoffs. Didn't matter how fun it would be to play for Georgia. Man, LT Overton, he's got a little tight end wrinkle to his game. That's something that was hinted to us that you would see in some big ball games for LT Overton this year. And it's not just Overton. They have a really, really stout, really Forty looking defensive back by the name of Bryce Thornton. Yeah. Uh, that's the younger son of, uh, of Georgia legend Bruce Thornton. And, I mean, that family's full of athletes. But this guy, Adam Clack, told me a couple times this year, the Milton head coach, that uh, in the non-LT Overton category, he thinks Thornton might be the best player he's ever coached. And uh, a good DB prospect, class of 2023, making plays all over the field. But LT Overton, Brandon, that checks that criteria for you. He's a five-star uh, he's a guy that is one point rated the number one player in the country for 2023. So that Arch Manning fella came along and started getting rated really highly. He's an in-state prospect. Currently uh, has renewed interest in vigor in playing for the University of Georgia. Could be a huge stage because, Brandon, this guy had 21 and a half sacks last year as a sophomore. Made all the All-American teams. 
And right now, he's, I don't even know if he's all the way back to what he was in spring practice when everybody thought he was going to set all records and topple all mountains this year. But it's good to see him and Milton back in the playoffs. I got to take a little bit to talk about Walton. Walton is a team that kept hanging around, hanging around, playing great football. We saw him against North Cobb earlier this year, and we thought, man, good team. We don't know how far they will go, but look, kind of funny how how Walton is still alive in the GHSA Class 7A state playoffs when a lot of teams that were ranked higher than them have all kind of went by the wayside. It's good to see those Walton Raiders in another big playoff game. That is a team that staff, they squeeze, I think, every drop of ability and juice out of their players. And it's been a special year so far for them. Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for being here on the road. Assisted by AAA. Look forward to seeing you throughout the weekend, both tonight on Petrie TV for some terrific high school football and in and around our Chase of the Championship tailgate on Saturday. And, of course, SEC Championship from inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium after that. We'll look forward to talking to you then. All right, man. Everybody have a great uh, Friday. We'll see you later. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really good to get a chance to speak to Jeff Sintel right there. Fascinating stuff, both in terms of what's ongoing for Georgia in its pursuit of the 2022 class and also, uh, obviously, the way in which the recruiting success has impacted the SEC championship game there as well. The other thing, I'll mention this very, very quick. So Jeff was talking about, hey, you know, is Florida going to try to get back involved in Jaheim Singletary and stuff like that? They'd be foolish not to. It was funny yesterday when Smart was asked about uh, new coaching hire Billy Napier. You know, Nick Saban kind of threw some bouquets his way. Sometimes coaches just kind of give out some faint platitudes and, you know, just whatever, just kind of move on and get the question answered. Smart seemed to not really be all that interested in giving any kind of, you know, uh, attention to Napier whatsoever, kind of shut down that entire line of questioning, which I think is the right thing for Smart to do. But uh, pretty clearly, the moment that Billy Napier finishes his business with the Sunbelt title game. Maybe you can take that Sunbelt championship on the road and recruiting and see how many uh, recruits you can impress with what he did in the uh, Big Bad Sunbelt. So that could be coming down the uh, pike here pretty soon. A new face there with the Florida program that Georgia will be doing battle with from a recruiting standpoint. Obviously, we'll be following all of that as it unfolds. For now, though, it's time to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And one of the things last night that was so much fun about being at the Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven was – how many of the folks who were there were talking about their excitement to hopefully join us on that Dog Nation cruise? Folks making their plans to do that. The good news is, if you're ready to do that, you can book your travel right now. DogNation.com, right at the top of the page. You can click into the link there. It'll tell you all about what we're doing. It's uh, setting sail on April 25th with our friends at Royal Caribbean on the gorgeous, beautiful ship known as Independence of the Seas. And we're going to be going spending a day in Nassau. Obviously, you've heard me talk about the private island that is Royal Caribbean. Perfect day, Coco Cay. It's going to be an incredible experience from April 25th through the 29th. Special Dog Nation events going on. Oh, we'll have an NFL draft watch party and just all kinds of really fun things going down with our friends from Royal Caribbean. Special Dog Nation stuff there as well. We even have some special guests coming on board there too so there is a lot to tell you about everything that's going to be going down with that i've already heard from a bunch of folks who plan on being there we want you to be there too so please go to dognation.com find the link and then find out what we've been saying about royal caribbean for such a long time that they really do these recruit these cruise vacations unlike any other i'm so ready for vacation and need one so bad just to be frank and there's no more exciting more enjoyable one that you can take then with our friends there at Royal Caribbean. And when we get to all do it together as a part of the very first ever Dog Nation cruise, that makes it even better. So make sure you're a part of that. Travel can be booked now, dognation.com, a place to go to get the link for all of that. And then we'll see you April 25th through the 29th. Leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay on the beautiful ship known as Independence of the Seas from our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, so I'm going to break with protocol here. We don't typically do this, but I want to really make sure we give the full spotlight to this because this is frankly one of the most embarrassing things i've ever seen an sec coach be a part of so can we do this can we bring our sec through music down let's go ahead and just kind of bring that down because i want people to be able to hear this for themselves so this is one of the and a lot of you have heard this already but this is one of the staples of new coaching hires they make the appearance at the basketball game. And Kirby Smart did this when he got first got hired at Georgia. And that was, I believe, the first time he issued the challenge for 93,000 people to show up for G-Day. So 
you know, George has done all this kind of stuff in the past too, where you have the coach comes out there, he's got the sport coat on, he's got the mic, he's kind of cutting a wrestling style promo. You get the big applause. Well, last night, Brian Kelly did the same thing for an LSU game, but it did not go quite as well for Kelly as it has for a lot of these coaches in the past. Now, Kelly is being widely mocked today for putting on a fake Southern accent for, uh, for this speech. Now, it may be hard to tell this, so I've actually borrowed a tweet from someone who did the hard work of using some old footage from a Brian Kelly, comparing this to some new footage, and see for yourself just how, <laughs> how badly Kelly misses the mark trying to put on the Louisiana accent for these uh, LSU fans uh, last night. This is not good, but it is hilarious. This is Brian Kelly. Most incredible 12 years of my life for me and my family um, being here in Notre Dame. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana. But more- I mean, what is going on there with that? I may want to hear that one more time, Michael, if we can re-rack that, because the first clip is, this is Kelly at Notre Dame saying family the way that someone who's from the Northeast would say. The second time is, it's a great day to be here with my family. What are you doing? Did you think that would work? I mean, look. Kelly's a good coach. He's won plenty of games. There are a lot of people that don't like him. And this kind of adds fodder to the people who kind of don't like him. Like, this is how dumb he thinks LSU fans are, that he can walk in there and start giving you the, y'all are a big part of my family. I had some gumbo a little earlier, and now I'm going to be here and be y'all family with y'all. Like, this is what he's honestly trying to do. This would be like me going up to Boston and being like, hey, you guys, I'm here to, you know, or whatever. Pock the cod, hop yacht. I mean, like... <laughs> Like, this would be as phony as me going up north and trying to be, you know, a a northerner. Kelly's going to come down here and try to act like, oh, yeah, I'm just... And politicians do this all the time, by the way. And some of y'all know this. You can go back and find all kinds of video of politicians, you know, being in certain parts of the country, trying to speak like certain people in certain parts of the country. That's just kind of a thing that goes on. So maybe this is Kelly's attempt to kind of be a politician here. But one more time, it's Rick Darlington on Twitter who's got this side by side. It's... Kelly saying goodbye to his Notre Dame players, telling them they're a part of his family, and then ingratiating himself to his brand-new LSU family uh, after that. This is uh, Brian Kelly one more time. Most incredible 12 years of my life for me and my family um, being here in Notre Dame. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana. But more- I'd fire him on the spot. I, I would. I, I would I would go to him and say, we made a huge mistake. I realize you've been to the playoff a couple of times and you've won plenty of games. If this is what you think is going to work down here, um, you, you, you're not fit to be the LSU coach. I, I'd, I'd fire him right there on the spot for that. That was not good from Brian Kelly, but it was hilarious and uh, good work for our producer, Michael Carville, helping uh, get that together there for us. Let me also mention this kind of on the serious front here for a moment. So we talked earlier this week about some rumors connecting Dan Lanning to the Oklahoma job. I still don't quite believe that's real, and that's not disrespectful to Lanning. He's going to be a head coach one day, and sometimes the way in which that all takes place is by showing up in the rumor mill for the big job, and then that kind of gets your name out there, and eventually you kind of grow to the stature where you get the next job, and that may be what's ongoing with Dan Mullen here right now. But in the case of uh, the Lanning Oklahoma thing, I just never quite felt like that was that that was all that real necessarily. But on the other side of the ball, offensive coordinator Todd Monk, and he also shows up now, according to ESPN, as a potential head coaching replacement at Duke for David Cutcliffe, who you know made the decision to retire a little earlier. Mike Elko, the the Texas A&M defensive coordinator, is also on there as well. Elko is a little bit like Lanning in the fact that. He's that one coordinator that seems to show up for a lot of these jobs, was a candidate at Kansas, the same way that Lanning kind of was. Been kind of a candidate all over the place, and so he's kind of now in the Duke situation here. You've got Monk in there, and the Duke mix there too. And, like, I realize what a lot of people say. is like, well, uh, you know, Todd Monk can get a better job than Duke. Maybe he's going to pass on that. I just don't know what kind of era we're in now where you're going to have a whole lot of coaches passing on chance to be a, play- at a head coach especially to a place like Duke, where they don't win very much, but David Cutcliffe was head coach there for a long time. 
That kind of job security is attractive to coaches. For a guy like Munkin, I think that's probably the case there as well. Plus, I mean, look at a guy like uh, Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State offense head coach, offensive coordinator currently at Oregon. He seems, you know, content to take whatever head coaching job comes his way. Uh, I'm certainly not pushing Todd Munkin out the door. I, I'd love for him to come back, but you just got to be aware right now that you don't have a lot of guys turning down head coaching jobs much anymore. So, you know, especially with the longevity that, that Cutcliffe enjoyed at Duke, if this is real, it could be the kind of thing that gets Munkin's attention a little bit. But for now, it's too soon to know, too early to know how real any of that is. He's obviously performed well enough that he could be a head coach, and that's just the price you pay. When you have this kind of success uh, You're uh, as a team, I'm talking about Georgia, you're obviously going to be on guard for losing guys, and that's potentially, you know, what's going to go on here. So we're not going to make too much of it. We are going to point out when those – when rumors seem to have some substance to them and an ESPN something like that kind of putting their name to this kind of add some of that substance, Lanning's name shown up here, Munkin's name shown up here, and we'll continue to follow all of that. And a lot of this is going to actually play out pretty quickly. So one way or another, you may find out if any of this actually grows into to being something worth paying attention to. You may actually find that out sooner rather than later on, on some of that kind of stuff. But for now, we'll make that our SEC through when crews run the SEC, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Bunch of golden shoes here coming up. Record-setting number first, though, with our friends, our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Boy, talk about a tongue twister. <laughs> friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Easy to want to to t- mangle that one up. But our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Of course, great time to be getting ready for the upcoming uh, weekend of football and all things go along with that. And when it comes to the Finnish Long Drink, which is called the Finnish Long Drink because it comes from Finland. It was originated in like the 1950s when the summer games were in Helsinki and it's been in the United States now for a couple of years in Georgia now and really all over the place wherever you're uh, looking for beverages in a lot of ways golf courses bars you know beverage stores things like that you can find the finished long drink it looks like a beer but it's not it's a ready-to-drink cocktail that comes out of the can four different varieties I'm talking about the traditional and the blue can grapefruit flavor the long drink cranberry long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero which is zero carbs zero sugar um, all those varieties, you can get those in a special eight can variety pack, which includes two cans of each varieties of the finished long drink. It's a really great way to sample all of the great options that are out there for the finished long drink. It tastes great. Holiday parties, game watching parties, all the things you have coming up. The finished long drink is a perfect accompaniment of that for everything you have going on. So make sure you check them out online today. The longdrink.com will tell you where you can pick up some finished long drink today all right so let's roll through a bunch of these golden shoes a lot of this is going to be hashtag jd nyc related some of this is going to be beat bama related some of this is just going to be folks who had a good time with us last night at the marlowe's tavern in brookhaven and some of this is going to be kind of everything there in between so we'll roll through these i've been probably not doing the best job of golden shoes as of late so i wanted to make sure i really just hammered it hard going into the uh, big day there on Saturday. So without further ado, here is our roll call, our Friday Golden Shoes dump. Let's give you a bunch of these right now, including to start things off here, the uh, first winner for today of our Golden Shoe. We'll give that to you right now. Yeah, our buddy Russell Jeffries checking in. And by the way, uh, Russell's a guy that's won before, and I've mispronounced his name in the past when I have. But it's Russell Jeffries gives you the hashtag JDNYC, encouraging folks to get out there and vote for that Heisman Trophy. And a nice, good-looking picture of Jordan Davis there running 19.8 miles per hour in the GPS. Imagine getting hit by that. Yeah, that would not be a good thing. But what is a good thing is Russell winning a golden shoe for us here today. How about our next one there on that? Rob McNew. And by the way, I've gotten messages like this. And that's awesome to see. We're uh, kind of in the time of the year where uh, SoundCloud kind of gives you, the, or I should say, uh, uh, our friends at Spotify kind of give you the uh, the wrapped, the Spotify wrapped, looking back on the uh, the the previous year. And uh, Rob McNew says his top podcast was Dog Nation Daily. Appreciate that, Rob. That means the world to me. And for all of you who've shared that, I certainly appreciate that. High Dog reaches out to give you the Jordan Davis meme with Kirby's son holding up the Heisman Trophy. JD giving you the point. Hashtag JD to NYC. Let's keep that vote total going for him there at ESPN.com on that. Our buddy Frankie Fibonacci weighing in with kind of a meme that's been going around from SEC fans on messages boards talking about how every single game, it seems like uh, every time Georgia passes a test, somebody always kind of says the next test is the one that's coming from UGA and kind of downplaying what Georgia did. And 
folks are always moving those goalposts, but we know what's going on here. And uh, Frankie gives you the hashtag golden shoe, hashtag JDNYC. Our buddy Mad Dog gives you the beat bam and look at Jordan Davis towering over Mercedes-Benz Stadium. About to blow the roof off the bins on Saturday. I like that. Hashtag to JD to NYC. Good stuff, Mad Dog, on that. Uh, Dan at free the Falcon on Twitter, also sharing his Spotify rap with dog nation daily being his top podcast for the year, a good dog fan, good Braves fan. Dan sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, that's good stuff all the way around. Dan, thank you so much for being a part of our program. Pa- possibly my favorite today, or at least among my favorite, our buddy, Texas dog, the great meme from, uh, from Yellowstone, uh, Nick Saban saying to Kirby. So where are we going to go? Kirby. He says, to this train station, Nick, to the train station. That's one of those things, if you watch Yellowstone, you know, and if you don't, you may not. But, yeah, I believe it's about time to send uh, old Alabama to the train station on Saturday. Good stuff from Texas Dog there on that. Bubby Dean checking in. Cocktail on the napkin there at Marlowe's Tavern. Great to see him there last night and hope, hoping to see those dogs on top there on Saturday, as Bubby says during his tweet. Bubby, congratulations. You're one of our Golden Shoe winners for today and a great time last night at the Marlowe's in Brookhaven. Next one coming up here, Seth Rhodes encouraging folks to check in on the hashtag JDNYC and keep those votes going there for uh, Jordan Davis there at ESPN.com. He said he'd also would love to have been with us at Marlowe's last night. Seth, I appreciate you pushing the JD to NYC hashtag, and thanks for keeping those votes going for Jordan Davis. Let's get him over the top here in the moments that we have left. Good job to you, Seth. How about our next one? Chad Tiller writes in yesterday to say that four years ago today, he means yesterday, Georgia beat Auburn to claim the SEC championship and a spot in the college football playoff. And Chad says, two days from now, they're going to do it again. Go dogs. hashtag beat Bama. And he also tags me, Dog Nation Daily. Chad, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a great message that is to go into the weekend. Our buddy Bassin Dog checks in last night with a, a great shot of us there at the Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. It was great to see Bassin. He also gives the hashtag beat everybody which is what Kirby Smart says George has been preparing to do. Uh, that's good stuff from our buddy Bassin Dog and a great reminder. Earl Wise getting fired up by that Georgia hype video for this week. David Pollock was the narrator for that, and it was a good one. He gives you the hashtag BBAMA, hashtag JD to NYC. Earl Wise, great stuff from you. Thank you for sharing that. How about our next one? Uh, Ledoux checks in to say that Dog Nation Daily was also his top podcast on Spotify here this year. Ledoux, that means so much to me. I appreciate that. Uh, so much. Thank you so much, Ledoux, for your listening to our show there on Spotify. Great stuff all the way around. Brian Thomas Kreider pushing that vote there at ESPN.com. We're going we're gonna to signal boost those who are promoting Jordan Davis. Appreciate that. Hashtag JD to NYC. Let's get him over the top as a Heisman finalist here. I love that. Uh, thank you for doing that. Arnold Santiago doing the same thing. Thank you, Arnold, for being such a great supporter of our show and a big, big supporter of Jordan Davis there. We appreciate that too. Next one, I told you it was a record-setting day. Mad Dog, who's won so many of these golden shoes, also with us last night at the Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. Good to see Mad Dog there last night. Good to see our buddy John Stinchcomb. What a great time all of that was for those of you who were able to join us. A couple more to share with you here. Dred Sanders checks in to say that Jordan Davis was up to number two. I think he may have gotten to number one there for a while. I know he's kind of battling Kenny Pickett a little bit, the pick quarterback. So Dred Sanders is pushing to make this happen. Let's keep that going. Y'all follow Dred's lead on that. Then finally, uh, a great uh, dog fan who was with us last night at the big event also shows this off. Really cool to be able to see this, and I was so glad to be able to share that. This is Kale from Loganville. Uh, you don't think this means something to me? Bill Goldberg, Bama, you're next. He's got the dogs 27-17. I also like the photo of Goldberg there in the Georgia uniform for good measure. A great way to close out a record-setting number of golden shoes here today. Just wanted to put a lot of good vibes out there for Beat Bama, JD to NYC, and getting over the hump against the Alabama Crimson Tide coming up on Saturday. By the way, one more thing to tell you about here real quick. You told us, you heard us talk about Marlowe's Tavern in Brookhaven. The big savings that we've been telling you about from Marlowe's, you can still take advantage of. Stop by your local tavern in your neighborhood or marlowestavern.com. The $50 gift card that's on sale that also includes a complimentary bottle of Michelle Brute sparkling wine. You can take advantage of that and enjoy that today. Or if you get the $100 gift card, not only do you get the Michelle Brute sparkling wine, great way to ring in the new year or a great way to 
to celebrate a big dog victory on Saturday. But in addition to that, when you get the $100 gift card, you also get the bonus $20 gift card there as well. So this is how Marlowe's is helping you ring in the holiday season, but also buy gifts for those tough to buy for people on your list. We all have them. So please check out Marlowe'sTavern.com or your more local Marlowe's Tavern right there in your neighborhood for more details on all of that. All right. Thank you for tolerating a long list of golden shoes to close out our show today. I just wanted to give some shouts out to people who, I mean, y'all will never know. And I try to say this individually to everybody who sent one in and, you know, I hope to see more of them. You will never know how much it means to me that you say, Hey, on Spotify, BA, you're my most listened to podcast. Like that's the kind of thing that fills me with more joy than anything ever could. I just love that. I love doing the show each and every day. I would not be able to do it if so many of you weren't kind enough to just share some of your time with us. Free time is a precious thing. You spend some of it with me. I hope to never take that for granted. Hopefully we come in here and do a good show for you each and every day. And in a week like this, that means so much more because this is a big week for dog fans. And it's a privilege to be able to narrate that experience for you. Kirby said, you're, not, you're either elite or you're not. On Saturday, Georgia takes another step towards being able to do that. Uh, love to think about it. And it wouldn't be Dog Nation Daily if we didn't close out with a Gator-Hater countdown because we still got that game on our mind there as well. Looking ahead to a Jacksonville coming up in, what is it, 330 days? Is that where we are for the Gator-Hater countdown? 330 days from now? Yeah, 330 days from now, we'll see Georgia go back to Jacksonville and get a win over those lousy, stinking Gators. Congrats to everyone who won a golden shoe today. Enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll see you Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger.